Here we go, back again for another episode of the Around the Show Sports Podcast. As always, this is your host, Kyle Showalter. And folks, we are in week two of three of our Follower Friends podcast series. This week, we have Weston Whitaker, a longtime friend of mine, a huge sports fan, and I'm super excited to have him on. Weston, how you doing tonight? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's always a good time to have one of your good buddies on the show with you. Uh, you and I have been friends since as long as I can remember. One of the biggest sports fans I know. Funny guy. I think this is going to be a really good episode. And we got a great show for you. We're going to talk a lot of football. And before we get into any of that, there has been uh, some big breaking news. The second big quarterback move of this offseason. This time it involves my team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and Carson Wentz being shipped to the Indianapolis Colts. And Weston, I got to tell you, this one hurt. As, as an Eagles fan, as a guy who really believes in Carson Wentz, yeah, Man, this, the, this is tough. Weren't you the guy that was all stoked on keeping Wentz when they got rid of Foles, and now you're just out of draft picks, and now you're stuck with a young Jalen? Yeah, and and I'm not necessarily a guy who's very uh, high on Jalen Hurts, but we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> um, first and foremost, as a fan of Carson Wentz, I really hope that he does bounce back. As an Eagles fan, I don't see this being a good move for us. Uh, but I want to focus first on the Colts. And genuinely, I believe that this makes the Colts one of the three favorites in the AFC for the Super Bowl. I mean, this is the team that had a lot of young talent. They have a true a future number one wide receiver in Michael Pittman. If they bring T.Y. Hilton back or bring in another uh, field stretcher, this team looks a lot like the 2017 Eagles. I mean, good defense, good offensive line, an athletic quarterback, a field stretching wide receiver, some pretty good wide receivers as well, a strong running game, and then he's back with Frank Reich. I think that part is the is what everyone's focused on. Do you think that this kind of separates the Colts and makes them a contender in the AFC? Uh, personally, yeah. I mean, I, they were a contender last year with old Phyllis Rivers behind the uh, old center. But, I mean, they went 11-5. and five. They almost beat the Bills in that playoff game. They should have won that game, um, arguably, depending on the way you look at it. Um I mean, I think Philip had a good year for how old he was. Kind of glad for him that he did the whole one and done thing. Uh, Me being a Denver Broncos fan, I've watched that guy and hated on that guy for years. Um, But it was good to see him go out. Um, I think Carson still has some left in the tank. I mean, I don't think uh, he's quite what he was in that near MVP year. Um, I mean, he struggled this year, but Eagles O-line wasn't helping him out at all. Um, I think this obviously makes the Colts better, like you already touched on. I mean, they got a top 10 O-line. Um, they have an awesome young defense. Uh, they added some young stars, you know, in the receiving core and in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor. I love where Jonathan Taylor's heading. I think that guy's going to be top five back here for years to come. So personally, yeah, I think it makes them um, maybe not necessarily top three. I mean, you still got the Ravens and maybe the Browns and Titans kind of pushing in there, but definitely makes them a contender. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put them in the same conversation as a team like uh, Kansas City, obviously, but I think they're right up there with the Ravens fighting for that second, third spot. I mean, you talk about a team that's perfectly constructed for Carson Wentz to come back and be the guy that we saw in 2017. And look, being realistic, is Carson Wentz ever going to be that guy again? Probably not. That was catching lightning in a bottle. He was way too good on third down. He was way too good pushing the ball downfield. That's just not the quarterback he is. He was way too good at extending plays. I watched every snap that guy took in 2017, 2018, and 2019, and unfortunately in 2020. Uh, I've seen every snap of Carson Wentz's career. 
he's not the guy from 2017. But if he can get back to the guy we saw in 2019 when he dragged the Eagles to the playoffs those last four games when they went 4-0, this Colts team is going to be dangerous. I mean, he's still a guy with escapability. He's still a guy with a big arm. He's still a guy who's incredibly athletic. He can throw on the run. I think he's a better leader than he got credit for. I think he got a bad rap in Philadelphia. The guys seem to really like him. I mean, Zach Ertz and him are best friends. Uh, Jason Peters, the legendary Eagles left tackle, and him, great buddies. I, I just love this fit so much, and especially reuniting him with Frank Reich, who really, if you watch the Eagles after he left in 2018, the offense just didn't look the same. I think he was really the architect behind what made that whole thing go. So to see him reunite with him is really way why I'm have such a positive outlook on this team going forward. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's something to think about too, is uh, the mental aspect, right? The Eagle fan base is probably the least forgiving fan base ever. Um, I mean, you go out there and you have a near MVP year um, and come out the next year and everything doesn't quite unfold the same. They let them know that. Um, And now he's going to a pretty forgiving Colts fan base. Um, I mean, they've been through their highs. They've been through their lows. Um, But, I mean, I like the move in that sense. So I think it will be a good fresh start for him. And it's not like he's going somewhere that's in shambles. He's going somewhere that's exciting. A lot of young talent. And I'm excited. Yeah, he's not going to the Bears. When they were talking about shipping him to the Bears, I was sitting there thinking, what are you sending him to the Eagles? But worse, I mean, if you're Carson Wentz and you say, hey, I went out of Philly and they send you to the Bears, that – That hurts. But what you said about the mental aspect, I said throughout a lot of this year, it just looked like he had the yips. It looked like there was something in his head that went wrong. And I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, and he was telling me about how Carson's done and all of this. And I said, look, man, imagine being in that situation where you're on top of the world. You're an MVP candidate. Your knee explodes. Your backup comes in takes your team to the Super Bowl, wins the city's first ever Super Bowl, and then they go and build a statue of that guy outside of the stadium that you have to drive into and then play in while half the fan base is calling for the guy who won the Super Bowl. That's half as good as you, but they're so stuck on that one thing. I mean, that has to just be so tough to deal with. I mean, that that's just human nature. And yeah. these guys, they're professional athletes, but they're still human beings at the end of the day. And I think that you know, that fresh start and all of the things that we had both mentioned before is just going to, if anything's going to bring out the best in Carson Wentz, I think it's the situation in Indianapolis. And as a fan of the guy, I'm really excited for that. But as a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, I got to say, point blank, I'm not too excited about the prospectus of the next couple of years for the birds. I mean, Jalen Hurts, to me, he's just not the guy. I, I watched every snap that he took. I went back and watched the Oklahoma tape. I went back and watched the Alabama tape. I just don't see a franchise quarterback. What do you think? I mean, Jalen Hurts, this is a guy that got benched in the national championship for Tua. Um, Yes, then he then went on to Oklahoma um, and had his Heisman run. But, I mean, they let him air it out over there in the Big 12. So I I like that, you know, you kind of went back to the college tapes. Obviously, NFL is a whole different story. Uh, we saw a little Jalen magic early on. Um, I think his game at Arizona last year was an awesome kind of pinpoint game. Um, but if you're Jeffrey Laurie, you're this deep. Um, you got to kind of try it out with Jalen. You you had at one point you had Foles with the Super Bowl, um, sent him off, which was you know kind of a 
questionable move. Um, you stuck with Carson. Now you're saying Carson isn't your guy. And now you're saying Jalen's your guy. So I think from this point, you're all in on Jalen, at least for the year. Um, whether that's pick up some sort of backup, maybe like a Fitz Magic, just to hop in there if Jalen's going bad, throw a little magic in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to get behind a guy like Jalen Hurts. Um, being an Eagles fan, especially since you guys since 2017 have just slowly hit the floor. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of if you want, kind of elaborate. What do you, did you see from Jalen that you did like? Well, that I did like, I I love the character of the guy. I mean, obviously, the way that he handled getting benched to Alabama in the national championship game. What you mentioned, that's one of the biggest selling points on the guy. The the locker room dude, Jalen Hurts, is probably a top five quarterback in the NFL. Um, I also think that he was a better passer than I thought when he was at Alabama. I saw a little bit of, I shouldn't say that. I saw a lot of good stuff at Oklahoma when he was playing in Lincoln Riley's offense. And a lot of that transferred. He's really good at throwing underneath routes like drags. Um, he had a really nice ball to Deshaun Jackson against the Cowboys this year. Um, unfortunately, I just think he's not accurate enough. I don't think he has a strong enough arm. Um, I think he's not as good in the pocket as you need to be in the NFL, though he does make up for that by being super, super good outside of the pocket. I think he's actually better throwing on the run than with his feet set, which is an odd skill to have, but not one that I would necessarily complain about because you see guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott succeed with skill sets like that. But I just don't think the sum of all the parts adds up enough to be putting all your eggs in the in the Jalen Hurts basket. Yeah, maybe you don't draft a quarterback this year unless a guy like Fields falls to you at six. But long term, you know, I'm not jumping over myself to sign Jalen Hurts to a long term extension at this point. But that's right. just me. I mean, I'm not Howie Roseman. I'm not Jeffrey Lurie. They might see something. They saw enough to draft him in the second round the year after they paid a quarterback 128 million dollars. So I mean, I'm not. I'm. Unfortunately for the Eagles, not the guy that makes this, these decisions. Otherwise, Jalen Hurts wouldn't be on this team. But nevertheless, he is. And it really looks like they're giving him a chance to be the guy. Right. And I think you made an interesting point there of Jalen's kind of biggest attribute to him is his locker room presence that he has shown at Bama, at Oklahoma, um, and even in Philly. Um, I think he's definitely a guy those people can get behind. I don't know about top five in the locker room. At the quarterback position, it seems like I heard you mention that. I want to make sure that that's on the record. That hey, man, I mean, you, you think <laughs> think about how many guys could get benched on the biggest stage in the world and realistically be cheering the guy on on the sidelines. I mean, that that's some stuff that you hear your your peewee coach say that you should do when he benches you in like your, your Pop Warner championship game. Like that's not something that grown men really do. I'm speaking as a grown man. If I was in that situation, I certainly wouldn't be able to handle that. I think that's... That's what the term leader of men comes from. I mean, that's like head coaching kind of stuff. You don't really expect that from 23-year-old kids. Right. So that's and that's where the top five guy in the in the locker room in the NFL comes from. I, I, I have no problem. I'll put that on record. All right. Yeah, but I mean, you see that that problem right now in Miami with two uh, people not being able to get behind them. So at least Jalen's a guy that players are getting behind, and that's something to look forward for an uh, Eagles fan. I want to kind of pivot the conversation to uh, something a little different. You know, we had our our little send off for Carson Wentz on the Around the Show podcast just now. You know, rest in peace, Carson, as an eagle. Uh, that hurts a little bit to say, but nevertheless, this next topic is uh, 
it's something that I find really interesting. And it's something that I'm glad that you and I wanted to speak on tonight. Um, and that's how the NFL offseason is starting to kind of change the way that we look at these players. For a long time, the NFL has felt like an owner-dominated league. You know, these, these players, they don't really have any freedom. You know, the NFL has the franchise tag. You don't really hear about quarterbacks moving around. Meanwhile, you pivot over to the NBA, and there's guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who can tell their teams to trade them to team up. I mean, it that level of control that and power that players have in the NBA is something that I think NFL players are rivaling, and it seems like they're starting to kind of get some of that power, a la the Deshaun uh, Deshaun Watson situation. No, yeah, I I mean, for, just from my aspect, the way I've looked at it is NFL players have always been looking at the freedom that the NBA players have to move around. They look at the amount of money that the MLB players make. There's always, I mean, I feel like NFL is always slowly behind in every single aspect of it um, because it is a owner-driven league. Um, I think social media has really made a huge play into this whole push. Um, I mean, even just go back to Antonio Brown with the tweets he was sending out that eventually got him in trouble. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's super interesting. And I think it's good. I mean, for the fans, but I mean, from the owner's aspect, it's like guys are going in two, three years now, just like we see Deshaun um, a few years into the league and he's unhappy with his situation. Now I understand there's some internal things going on, but the social media presence that even comes with that. I mean, you have people from the Broncos and people from the jets and the dolphins uh, current players on the team tweeting at Deshaun saying, hey, come here, come here. Um, you know, go back 15, 20 years ago. Like, even just back to when Brett Favre was moving around, like, they didn't have that. There was that, that social media aspect wasn't as strong. Um, so I think, that's, I think that's a big push in it. You know, everyone wanting the rings because that's what you get judged off now. Um, players without rings because that's what they look at the NBA. The NBA GOAT, goat conversation is on rings. The NFL GOAT conversation has never been based on rings. Now we have Tom Brady with seven. So, I mean, I don't know who's going to touch that. But, I mean, there was quarterbacks out there that had multiple rings, and you're still looking at John Elway with two saying, yeah, he's the top five. I mean, biased because I'm a Broncos fan. But, um, I mean, going back to the topic, I mean, do you think, I mean, these people lashing out, I mean, do you think it's justified on their end, or are they doing it to, like, up their personal kind of clout or are they actually truly unhappy? And is it just a ring chasing thing like the NBA? I, I think yes and no. I, I don't think in, De, in Deshaun's case in particular, I think there's a lot of circumstances that surround the Houston Texans that he just wants to get away from. I think a big part of it is he doesn't feel respected by the organization uh, because of the the coaching search debacle where he wanted to just, hey, interview the guy that I'm interested in, and they completely uh, ignored his request. They did the same thing with the general manager. And I think that Deshaun Watson, and I think this needs to be said as a black quarterback playing for Cal McNair and the McNair family, there's some obvious underlying circumstances there that would make Deshaun uncomfortable, right. I'm, I'm assuming there. But... I don't necessarily think that it's a, as much about ring chasing in the NFL as it is about respect. And I, I'm going specifically off the Deshaun situation because it's what we've seen most recently. 
But you can equate that to the Carson Wentz situation as well. Like, why did Carson Wentz want out? He didn't think that Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson had his back. They fired Doug. He still didn't think how he had his back and he wanted out. And he made that very, very clear. Hey, this is about Howie Roseman. Hey, this is about Doug Peterson. It's not about the city. It's not about the ownership. It's not about my teammates. I just went away from these guys. They don't respect me. They're not giving me what I need to be successful. And I think that's the same thing in Houston. And overall, I'm, I might I might sound crazy, but I think this is a good thing for the league, you know, to give these guys the ability to say, hey, this isn't good enough for me. I deserve better as Deshaun Watson, a generational talent, than to be surrounded by what I have. To throw for 4,800 yards and win four games is inexcusable. It's a complete and utter failure on the behalf of the organization, and he has every right to do what he's doing. Yeah, I think, I mean, with the Deshaun Watson case as well, um, I mean, obviously, there's there's underlying issues. Um, and it, it can be a little frustrating, like, for the fans, you know, because you wait all these years to get your guy. And even within the organization, all these years to get your guy, you finally get your guy, and then some internal issues happen. And you see now, you got the Texans owner, he's saying he's not going anywhere. You know how hard I worked to find this generational talent while I had Matt Schwab playing quarterback for however many years here. <laughs> I finally got our guy that people are excited about. You're not going anywhere. But how how unfair is that to Deshaun? I mean, he's being he's not being treated right. You have J.J. Watt saying, hey, I'm sorry, man, for wasting one of the years of your career. Yeah, and, which, oh my, that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, man, but that that video was so insane, shocking to see, like, J.J. Watt, a first ballot lock-it-in Hall of Famer, going up to this 25-year-old kid and apologizing to him on behalf of the organization. If I was the McNair family or any member of the front office with any kind of power in the Houston Texans organization, oh my God, that's the most embarrassing thing that could have possibly came out about my team. And that, yeah. that video was everywhere. I mean, that's just a complete completely obvious showcase of how bad you failed as an organization to see the guy in your franchise's history, the best player who has ever put a Texans uniform on go up to a kid who's half his age in NFL terms and apologize to him, man, that, that has to hurt. Yeah, that, that's, that, that was deep definitely to see. And I mean, I'm, you know, we got JJ Watts leaving now and uh, Houston as a city, I mean, poor, Poor fans of Houston. <laughs> they have lost everyone. They've lost James Harden. They've lost George Springer. Now they got unhappy Deshaun. JJ's on his way out. And I mean, it, it's tough, tough things going on in Houston. But um, I mean, just going, like I said, back to the whole owner's aspect. Um, that I think this is the last sport that has that aspect of the owners controlling. And I would like to see that shift. And that balance of power going towards the players a little bit, but you got—I mean, you look at some tight ends or an offensive lineman. If they want out, it's easier for them to get out. You know, when you're a quarterback, it's much tougher because, like I said, they waited years to get their guy. And for Deshaun, I mean, he was in the same class as Pat Mahomes. Look what Pat's doing. I mean, obviously, Pat went into a better situation. I'd say. I mean, some great players with Travis. Yeah, that's probably that's probably a fair conclusion. And he, yeah, exactly. But that's what Deshaun's chasing. 
Mike is going to be compared to for the rest of his career because they were Deshaun was drafted same class, um, pretty similar skill set. I mean, Deshaun was competing for national championships. Pat wasn't. And now you see Pat thriving. So Deshaun wants to get his shot. Yeah. And I think, I think like you touched on, he has, he has every right to, and this is the last league where we really see pushback for this kind of, uh, outspokenness amongst its players and you mentioning that you know he's chasing the greatness of Patrick Mahomes I think that's a a super important point that not a lot of people are talking about this is the guy and these guys they're gonna get paid you know they both have their huge contracts now it's legacy time man put up or shut up which one of these guys is gonna have the better career because they came out in the same draft class they both had success early on in their careers and Unfortunately, most people judge success of NFL quarterbacks by how many rings they win. How much jewelry do you accumulate throughout the course of your career? So if Deshaun Watson walks out of here with zero Super Bowl rings, how are a lot of people going to remember him as a guy who couldn't win? And that's just completely bananas. I mean, that's just so ridiculous to, to think about, but that's the reality of how we talk about quarterbacks in the NFL And if Deshaun Watson thinks he's never going to win in Houston, he has every right and he should be doing exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Now, I said on the last podcast that this is going to be an incredible offseason of player movement, specifically amongst quarterbacks. And we've touched on two of those guys that we either know has already moved moved on from their old team or we're expecting to be moved or could potentially be moved. We can throw out another guy like Matthew Stafford, who's already been traded an absolutely insane deal to the LA Rams. So like I said, man, this is going to be a crazy off season. So we're going to do something fun. We're going to go through and rank the five best available players just through speculation. Some of these guys on my list, uh, I'm speaking for myself here, aren't confirmed to be moved. A guy like Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, spoiler alert, is on this list. Um, but there's also some guys who are either free agents or have been cut and have entered free agency that way. So, Weston, I'm going to let you go ahead and start. Give me your fifth best available player this offseason. So, uh, from the list I put together, my fifth best available, uh, Juju. Juju Smith. Uh, I mean, we saw great flashes of him, obviously, in Pittsburgh. And he's had an old Ben his entire career. Uh, This guy now has the flexibility to go wherever he wants. Uh, From what I've been reading, I don't think the Steelers are going to bring him back, especially with Claypool coming up and performing like he did, being compared to the size and metrics of Megatron. Um, They can afford to maybe let a guy like Juju go. And Juju does bring a lot of the social media presence through. And um, something that I feel like hard-nosed Steeler football maybe not doesn't love um so i don't think that it's very urgent that they bring juju back um as for kind of where he may go i mean there's a lot of different places that need wide receivers but i think um juju skill set from the things that we saw definitely a top guy to watch this offseason yeah juju is a juju is an interesting guy i think if he demands big time wide receiver money the steelers would be uh, keen to let him go. I'm not sure that he's quite worth that, but Juju Smith-Schuster is a very fine player out of USC. You and I both USC fans, so a uh, big fan of Juju as long as he stays off TikTok. His, uh, his TikTok's not my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, my my fifth available player is Shaq Barrett. I mean, we saw what he did in the Super Bowl. We saw what he's done. he's done over the last couple of years. I mean, the 20-sack season in 2019 was insane, especially from a stand-up outside linebacker. 
I mean, this is a guy who can play in so many different ways, but as a pass rusher is where he really shines. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be fools to not bring him back, at least on a short-term deal. He's only 28 years old. He's got plenty of good football left, and he was integral to them winning Super Bowl 55. I think he was. He should have won the MVP along with Levante David. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm a huge Shaq Barrett fan myself. Denver Bronco native, baby. All right, let's go ahead and move on to number four. Weston, who you got? I feel like our list may be similar here, where you do think alike. Um, so my number four here, not necessarily a free agent, but could be on the move, rumored to be on the move, uh, Derek Carr. Don't know Ooh. if he's necessarily um, the man for Vegas with the whole Vegas hype. Um, and what I, what I see with Derek is, one, you had Mariota come in and play well. So if they could ship off Derek for picks, I mean, there's tons of teams that need quarterbacks from Miami to Denver to um, New York, whatever it is. Um, I think I could see the Raiders in this draft possibly moving up, not grabbing another quarterback necessarily, but moving Derek Carr to really jump up in this draft and grab a good defensive piece um, that they're lacking a little bit. Um, I think Gruden... I'm interested to see what Gruden's going to build in Vegas because this whole first season without the fans was interesting. You know, everyone got to get a feel out for the stadium. Um, but we've seen flashes of Derek Carr be great. And in his first couple of years, Derek Carr was a top five fantasy quarterback in the league, at least. Um, and then he obviously had his injury. Um, and then, the you know, the move to Vegas. I don't know if it played out very well for Derek. Um, he was on my fantasy team personally this year, and I started him every single game that he didn't do well, and I would sit him and he'd do well the next week. <laughs> so he's a pretty inconsistent quarterback, um, but he has shown flat flashes of greatness. Um, so I don't know if he could maybe go to a place like the Carolina Panthers that are kind of holding over you, building a young core. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see where he goes this offseason if he goes anywhere. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a believer of Derek Carr. Uh, I would call myself a Derek Carr stan, a member of the Derek Carr hive, if you will. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think he is a guy who could be moved. And I think it's more so the case of the fact that he's just not a very good fit in John Gruden's offense. He's a guy who wants to take shots down the field to these speedy wide receivers. And Derek Carr has been remiss to throw the ball downfield in his career. I called him the biggest check down Charlie of them all in my uh, preseason quarterback <laughs> tier list that I did before this last offseason. Derek Carr, or this last season, excuse me. Derek Carr just puzzles me, man. He could be so, so good. He just refuses to push the ball down the field. I think Carolina would be an interesting fit. I could see the Texans and the Raiders doing a switch at quarterback between those two guys. I could see him ending up in Denver. I could see Derek Carr ending up in a lot of places, but he does not crack my list. At number four, I have J.J. Watt, the pillar of the Houston Texans organization. He's lost a step um, as an edge rusher, but still very capable. I think he had seven and a half sacks this year, but where I think J.J. Watt has the most value at this point in his career is as an inside rusher. And I think if you pair him with a guy like, I don't know, Zadarius Smith on the Packers or Miles Garrett on the Browns, and you put him inside next to one of those guys, I think you have probably the best pass rush duo in the league. You put him on the same side of the offensive line. I think he could cause havoc next to one of those guys, or you could leave him on the edge and he'd still be perfectly fine as well. Right. Yeah. No, I just don't know. You're, you're exactly right. With JJ in Houston, he was a sole 
defense lineman. There's not very many people taking the pressure off of him. So I think he does need to go somewhere where he has some help, um, somewhere where he's not getting double teamed all the time because he is a fragile man. He's getting up there in age. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't crack that top five. Yeah, he actually led the league in double team percentages last season. Second on that list is another guy I just mentioned, Zadarius Smith, man. You pair those two guys together, I'm telling you, the Packers would be the, one of the most feared defensive lines in the NFL. I'm going to go ahead and let you push forward with number three. So third on my list, uh, you've actually already mentioned, I got Shaq Barrett up there high. And what he did in the Super Bowl was amazing. I mean, chasing down Pat Mahomes all day long. I was personally riding the Buccaneers and my boy Tom Brady, so... Uh, it was awesome to watch Pat struggle, and I'm also not the biggest Pat Mahomes fan, uh, but he gave him hell all game long. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, the last two seasons, he's totaled 27 and a half sacks. Uh, he had obviously his one year with 19 and a half sacks. Um, I mean, the guy is one of the most feared pass rushers in the league right now. And I think the Buccaneers would also be a fool not to bring him back. I don't see him necessarily going anywhere, but. For teams that do need that pass rusher, how is he not on the top of your list? I mean, that's why I put him over J.J. Watt, just because that guy is young, he's hungry, he's ready to go. Um, as I said, I don't see him necessarily going anywhere, but keep an eye on that, man. I mean, he he's like got Khalil Mack-type status. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. I, I got J.J. Watt above him mostly because J.J. Watt is a strict pass rusher, and I think that inherently carries more value than a guy who alternates between an outside linebacker position and an edge rusher. I could see the argument for Shaq Barrett. I think he's probably more advanced athletically at this point in his career. I would just, if I had $10 million to give to one defensive lineman for the next three years, I would send my money to JJ, but I would not be upset at all if I got Shaq Barrett instead. I got Chris Godwin at number three, Weston. And this is a guy who I think is not going to leave his current team, like I said about Shaq Barrett. Um, this is the best run after catch wide receiver in the NFL. You get this guy, the ball in space. He's, you can't bring him down. He's unbelievable. He's right. He's right up there with some of the best guys we've ever seen with the ball in their hands. He's perfect in just about any offense because of that, but he's also good at the catch point. He's fast. He can run by guys. He runs crisp routes. This is the best wide receiver available. And I think besides the quarterbacks that I have at the top of my list, he's the best available player this off season. And you said you don't see him coming back to Tampa. No, I see him not leaving Tampa. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. Because I don't know if you saw that Bruce Arians clip that he said you're not going anywhere. Pat, oh yeah, Super Bowl speech. So, um, yeah, no, I'm a personal fan of Chris Godwin. Um, I think the Buccaneers don't need to change a thing. Oh yeah, just run it right back with the squad that they have, man. There, there's they're loaded with talent. I think they're going to lose some guys just because of the cap, but if they can bring back the majority of that team, they're going to be skating pretty next year. Right. Yeah, and um, kind of leaning into my number two on my list. This is where we might actually have the same uh, guy we haven't talked about yet on the podcast, but a lot of rumors flying around. Uh, Russell Wilson. Mm. Uh, reason reason being, I mean, obviously he's unhappy in Seattle. Um, he, him and Pete Carroll gave it the run. Should have had two Super Bowl rings. Should have ran the ball, Pete. Um, we all know that, but I mean, how can you not put Russell up there? Any speculation of this guy in any unhappy situation, um, every team should be firing what they can at him. And, uh, we'll kind of get into a little later in the podcast as well, but, um, seeing him go anywhere, I think I could see a little flip, just like a quarterback switch. Um, 
I mean, the Seattle's having a rough time too. I mean, they were able to bring in Jamal Adams, but they did lose their main core on defense. Um, I mean, Wagner's getting old. So, I don't know. There's, they're not that young team that we remembered that absolutely stomped out the Broncos in 2015. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just you have to have Russell up there on your list. This is this is where we're going to deviate. Actually, I don't have Russ on my list, really? and we'll get it. We'll get into why a little bit later. Uh, number two on my list is Dak Prescott, and this is a guy who I've taken a very long time to come around on as an Eagles fan. I didn't want to believe it, but man, Dak Prescott is a damn dude. This guy can play quarterback, and I I ranked him as a tier two quarterback during my preseason um, quarterback tier rankings. He's a tier one guy. This is the fifth best quarterback in the NFL at this point. I mean, the guy can do it all. He's great in the pocket. He's great on the run. He's athletic. He's a leader of men. He's got a bigger arm than I ever imagined he would. He's got probably the third best deep ball in the NFL. And somehow that guy's available. Somehow the Cowboys have let him get to the point where they need to franchise tag him twice, it looks like. I mean, granted, (laughs) he had the ankle injury. But Jerry and Steven Jones, what are you doing? Like, what more do you need to see from this kid? He's proven it, he's proven it time and time again that he is the guy for the Cowboys. And they still won't just sign him. Give him what he wants. Give him the 40. He he's at that level with those guys that are making that kind of money. Just give in, man. It, it blows yeah. my mind that Dak has to be on this list. I have some apologies to make to Dak Prescott. Um, because if you've hung around me for the last two years. About two years ago, I was saying some foul things to da- about Dak. <laughs> I did not believe in him at all. Uh, Cowboy fans. I was right with favorite. you. They're my least favorite fan base on this planet, so there's no way I could get behind their guy. I'm now behind Romo. Used to hate Romo, too, but, I mean, that guy's the most phenomenal announcer I've ever heard in my life. Um, and I became a Dak believer this year. I mean, what he was able to do, their team was in shambles at the beginning of the year, and he was still putting up the numbers. He would have won MVP this year. I didn't see him slowing down at all. Um, I agree, man. He's got to be up there. And Dak, if we ever meet, I'll take you, buy you a beer or something because I owe you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was right there with you, man. I, I did not want to come around with Dak Prescott for the longest time. But eventually, you just can't deny greatness. And that Dak, Dak has that X factor off the field. He has that X factor on the sidelines. And he has the X factor between the lines. I mean, he's just all around what you want in a franchise quarterback. Now, there's going to be no way that we deviate from the number one. So I guess we can both just talk about it. It's got to be Deshaun Watson. Yeah, just jump into it. (laughs) It's got to be Deshaun Watson. I mean, come on. We, we had the, we talked a little bit about him. We'll actually talk a little bit more about him later. So I want to kind of, um, get to that. But first, uh, we each were supposed to come up with two honorable mentions. Uh, my second honorable mention is, uh, Trent Williams left tackle. Um, I think at 33 years old, he's a little bit on the older uh, edge of the spectrum, but I could see him signing a one-year deal with a team like the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. Potentially, they lost their left tackle to retirement this offseason. Could be an interesting fit to protect Carson Wentz's blindside. And then my number one guy was Levante David. Again, I I wrestle with putting him or Shaq Barrett at number five, the co-MVPs of Super Bowl 55, in my opinion. At the end of the day, Shaq Barrett was 28, Levante David is 31. And that's kind of what edged out Shaq Barrett for me. But Levante David, great coverage linebacker, probably the best in the league. He can rush the passer a little bit. He can cover the run. I mean, just all around great linebacker, especially 
for the modern NFL where you're running around and covering these guys that are so much faster and bigger and stronger than we've ever seen like Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I, I, I totally agree. I think the, the Colts do need to fill that spot, um, protect Carson. I mean, you can't skip a step. You, you can't take your team back at all. So whether that's drafting someone um, or signing. Um, but kind of jumping into my number one honorable mention. Yeah, this one's going to be – both of mine are very kind of hypothetical. If any of you guys know me and Kyle, Kyle is like a very statistical – analytical person when it comes to sports i'm very hypothetical so my first one is jared goff i don't think goff's gonna play a game in a lions uniform because I, that move to me i think it helped the rams um you talked about this on your past podcast so i won't jump into that but the thing about goff is for the lions as an organization right you bring in a new head coach bringing in some new energy to detroit and you sign a guy just like Stafford, just like him. I mean, very same pocket presence. Um, nothing exciting about Jared Goff. You couldn't get people in LA behind Goff. How are you going to get people in Detroit behind Goff? And I think that there's still teams out there that would take a chance on him. Like whether that's Detroit getting more draft picks for uh, sending them to like the Jets. Um, I don't. I, I just still don't think Jared Goff's a very great quarterback. Um, so for them to take on that contract. Um, it, it's very surprising to me. Uh, like I said, I know this is very hypothetical, but I could see Goff getting moved. And if it's not this year, both of these guys that I have on my list, if it's not this year, I think it's next year. Interesting. Hit me, hit me with the second one. We'll talk a little bit about that Goff, that, uh, Goff move. Okay. So my second one, now this is also crazy. <laughs> you might laugh. Christian McCaffrey. You know, yeah, I actually I don't, don't think that's insane at all. Because, I mean, he's, he hit the injury bug. He got it. And we all know the 30 rule, you know, with running backs. So now he's getting to a weird spot. He's obviously nowhere near 30. But he's getting to a weird spot where we got to see him do what he used to be able to do coming off these injuries. I mean, he came off injury for one game, went back out with a shoulder. Um, so I think he's a huge trade piece for the Panthers in this offseason, if they were to go for a guy like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, um, whatever it is, Derek Carr and a ton of draft picks, whatever it is. Um, but I think it's interesting to kind of keep an eye on Christian McCaffrey and where where he's going to fit into that because, I mean, you got Matt Rule over there. I love Matt Rule. I'm very behind Matt Rule. So, uh, yeah, just keep an eye on Christian McCaffrey because things could get interesting in Carolina. here. That's my team to watch as well. Yeah, uh, that, that McCaffrey move is actually something that I'm going to skip over for now because uh, I wanted to touch on a potential move with Christian McCaffrey in it and on the next segment we're going to do. Uh, okay. So stay tuned for that. But the Goff thing, I don't agree that they could trade him this offseason. I do think potentially he only plays one year or maybe gets benched at one point this year and gets traded next offseason. I, I can't see that cap hit being moved a second time. I think there was only one team uh, willing to do that to take on that cap hit and they got a first round pick the the right. lions aren't going to then turn around and give a first round pick to somebody else take the cap hit off the books i think they're just going to eat it maybe try to trade the next offseason when that cap hit goes down a little bit i think then you got a little bit of credibility to that but i, th I think that's that might be a little bit of a reach just for me the move the move i, I, just I, I know i love fishy. the chaotic uh, potential of that though the move seemed fishy on detroit's end that's the only reason i brought it up i just didn't get it made sense for the rams didn't make sense for the lions 
All right, man, Let, let's have some fun. We're going to talk about the big five that are potentially on the move uh, in free agency. That's Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Jimmy G, and J.J. Watt. Now, we're going to have some fun, kind of play some uh, connect the dots with the NFL teams right now. And uh, we got to start with the biggest domino, and that's Deshaun Watson. Um, there's been a lot of speculation on where this guy can end up. I mentioned earlier, potentially, maybe he and Derek Carr switch places and he goes to Las Vegas. Uh, a lot of talks have been about him going to the New York Jets. Some people have even mentioned him going to Jacksonville in exchange for the number one overall pick. Now, he has a full no trade clause, so he can veto any of these situations. I don't see him wanting to go to the Jets. They still have to prove it before, if I'm Deshaun Watson, before I say that I'm going there. I think that they can get a better package than Las Vegas can give them. I think Deshaun Watson's going to end up in Carolina. I really do. And this is where I say that Christian McCaffrey could be on the move. If I am Nick Casario, the Texans' new general manager, and I get a call from Matt Rule and he says, hey, I'll give you the number eight overall pick, my first round pick next year, my second round pick this year, and Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun. You got to say yes to that. You're not going to no get a better offer. You no got way. it. You're, you're not going to get a better offer than that. And look, man, Carolina with Deshaun Watson throwing to DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and playing with that young defense in Robbie a pretty Anson. weak division. I mean, that's, that's what you want if you're Deshaun. You're 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 not vetoing that trade at all. You're in. In a in a division full of old timers too. Just a yeah. bunch of old times. You got Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. I mean, obviously Brady. We saw what he did. Yes, we know what he can do. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to do it again. I think he'll be there. I don't know if he'll be able to do it again. But I totally agree. I think that trade for the Panthers makes so much sense. The only other one I could see is the Jaguars. Um, just trading that number one overall pick. Uh, they have a few weapons that they could dish over to um, Houston. I mean, with Chenault Jr. And I, I personally would love to see him in Denver. To me, I just don't know if we could put the package together. For some reason, the sportsbook odds went to plus 150 for the Denver Broncos. I don't know what that means. I mean, I think seeing Deshaun, Deshaun versus Pat twice a year would be awesome. Um, and Deshaun Herbert. has some... Okay, yeah, we'll see. We'll, so we'll watch his sophomore season. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, Justin Herbert, obviously, I wouldn't compare to Pat Mahomes. But, yeah, I mean, seeing those matchups twice a year, whoever ends up in Las Vegas as well, I mean, that division could easily become the most fun division to watch again in football. And uh, I would love to see him in a Broncos uniform. For To me, he's already worn orange. He looks great in orange. But, yeah, the Panthers move makes sense. The Jaguars move. The Jets and the Dolphins, we keep hearing that speculation. I don't see that happening. I just think that there's stronger packages out there. Yeah, and from a pure football fan perspective, if there was a way for Deshaun Watson to end up in Denver, that is 100% what I would be rooting for. To see him throw to those guys in the Mile High City where he could toss that ball 70 yards through the air, through the thin air, Give me that in a heartbeat. With that defense playing in that division, if Justin Herbert turns into what he looked like his rookie year, potentially one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, and then you get to face him twice a year, and then obviously the aforementioned Pat Mahomes twice a year, and then Derek Carr and the Oakland, and excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders now. It's going to take a while to get used to saying that, just <laughs> like it was with the LA Chargers. But you throw him in there, that team isn't bad either. I mean, that is 
the holy grail of football. That's four good teams in one division. That's what the NFC West looks like, but San Francisco doesn't get all banged up last year with uh, those four teams. That would just be unbelievable. But I just don't think that they have the package that can compete with what Carolina has. And I think the second Deshaun Watson gets gets a deal on the table to where he can go to some place where he would feel both listened to and respected. I think that's the big thing. I think he's taking it. I just think Carolina can put together way too strong of a package for the Texans to say no to. And I think that that offense with Matt Rule, those wide receivers, that young defense, that improving offensive line, I don't think that's anything that Deshaun is going to want to turn down either. So moving on to our next guy, I teased him, and you mentioned him in your list of the top available players. That's Russell Wilson. Now, the reason I didn't have him on my list is because I simply don't think he's actually available. If you're Pete Carroll in the Seattle front office, what reason do you have to trade this guy? I mean, yeah, he mentioned one thing to a reporter that he's unhappy with the way that they've protected him over the last couple of years. Russell Wilson has been responsible for as many sacks as the offensive line has been in Seattle with how long he holds the ball. And I'm a Russell Wilson fan. I was fully on board with the Russell Wilson bandwagon early this season. I got burned by it when they fell apart and they couldn't adjust to the two high safety looks they were getting once the teams realized, Hey, these guys aren't running the ball anymore, but come on. I, I just don't, I don't see it. I know you do. So I want you to try to talk me into it because a move, a, an off season where Russell Wilson gets moved is pure gold for someone who wants to create content. So please talk me into it. Let's hear it. So, so here's, here's the thing with Russell is I forever believed, I mean, he's going to be a lifer in Seattle. going to be there forever. Um, I more so don't know if it's going to like actually go through, but I would love to see him elsewhere. I just think that Seattle's lost its strap. I mean, the fan base, it used to be just this giant roaring crowd behind this great defense. And it was never really about Russell. I mean, during those glory days, it was all about the Legion of Boom. That's all we heard, the Legion of Boom, Legion of Boom. We all knew how great Russell Wilson was, but that's all they have to latch on to now. And what's funny, you see everyone latching right onto DK Metcalf. Um, I mean, at least the Seattle fans. And I would, I would love to see him elsewhere that he could just go air it out. Um, and the only place that I do see it happening, well, two. Um, I don't think that the Saints could actually put something together, but how awesome would it be to see Russell Wilson in the Superdome? I mean, just not let New Orleans fan base skip a beat and jump in there, let him air the ball out, let him get that roaring fan base behind him again. Um, that would be a great potential spot. Of course, I have the Broncos on here just because it's me. Um, but like I said, we don't really have a package to put together. Um, and for some reason, if Mr. Bill Belichick could pull it off, seeing that guy in a Patriots uniform would just be unreal. I mean, let Bill have his year off. And then everyone's like, oh, Brady won the trade. And all of a sudden, when Brady retires, Bill's got six more years to make a championship run. Uh, I think it would more so just be cool to see. I mean, personally, I've never been the biggest Seattle Seahawks fan. Uh, and personally, because they kicked our ass in the Super Bowl. But um, I think it would just be really cool to see Russ go somewhere. Uh, he has not been protected. I mean, that's, that's the quote that he came out with. He has no one to protect him. He's a very valuable asset, too. So if you're Seattle... Obviously, you got to keep the guy. Go get some linemen. There's guys out there in free agency you can get. Get people in the draft. A lot of these offensive linemen that pan out in the league are guys that have been cut from practice squads, 
late round drafts, you can go find guys, find that talent, develop them. I mean, Resto has years and years beyond him. You got to keep him here in Seattle, but I just like to make hypotheticals. Yeah, and I think it would be fun if Russ moves. Obviously, that's a gold mine for someone who loves football and you know the the drama of the game that's what you crave you don't really get that with the nfl you get that with the nba and that's why uh we made sure to talk about that at the beginning of the show um you know seeing him in new england would just be unbelievable i mean could you imagine him playing under bill belichick and josh mcdaniels what they could do for him granted he wouldn't have any wide receivers but outside of dk metcalf i mean tyler lockett's a great player don't get me wrong but he doesn't have necessarily anyone special there. And I don't think uh, the supporting cast in New England is as good as Seattle's, obviously. But I'm not sure it would be a good football situation. Denver, man, if he could get to Denver, that's a, that's my Super Bowl favorite, 100%. Yeah. Just like if they got to Sean, they'd be my Super Bowl favorite. I mean, that team is so good outside of the quarterback. Unfortunately, it just really doesn't matter without the quarterback. Yeah, and, and I think it's more so a mastermind situation in New England, just seeing Belichick and Russ, because Russ is probably the smartest quarterback in the league. Yeah, he, he's certainly up there. I mean, Russ definitely doesn't win based on physical traits alone. I mean, yeah, he, he has a great deep ball. He can move around in the pocket and outside the pocket really well. But pre-snap is where he shines, and I think that's a trait that a lot of the top quarterbacks have, if not all of them. Um, speaking of you know, these top quarterbacks, guys that have evolved, Dak Prescott, me and you both mentioned, you know, not didn't used to be super high on him, but there's no denying it now. I mean, Dak Prescott's a guy who deserves to get paid like a top quarterback. And the Dallas Cowboys, man, they're just not doing it. And I don't understand it. I used to say, please give Dak Prescott $40 million. They'll never win it. They'll never win the division again. Now I'm sitting here begging for them to give Dak Prescott $40 million for my own sanity because I just don't understand why it hasn't happened yet. I think there's a real chance he ends up somewhere not in Dallas next year. Yeah. Uh, when I was putting this together, I was trying to think of spots that Russell was going to go, and I was kind of struggling. And spots that Dak could go that just made sense in a like football world, you know, for a front office. And I came up with this kind of theory. I didn't touch on it with Russell, but what if they did a swap? What if Seattle and Dallas just swapped them out? It's certainly possible, and it, it makes sense for both sides. It that's does, that's the crazy thing. Dallas is developed. I mean, that's a developed team that has some young, exciting players on it, from CeeDee Lamb to Amari Cooper. I mean, obviously, Zeke. you got to see him bounce back a little bit. Um, I mean, they, they went far with just a good offensive line. I mean, if you throw Russell in that situation and then a younger Dak up in Seattle – and I don't know if you've ever noticed, every single Cowboys-Seahawks game is electric. I love watching Dak and Russell play against each other. I think they're pretty similar. I mean, now that I'm a Dak believer, um, they're pretty similar in their gameplay. And I love how Dak's arm is developed. Uh, and he's always had it, but his, his more so his pocket presence and not scrambling out every play. You know, he's kind of really developing into that true quarterback. I, that's the only scenario I came up with was maybe a Seattle-Dallas swap. Yeah, a, a lot less sexy of an option, and I think one that's a little bit more realistic. I just, I again, I just can't see the Seahawks trading Russ. Is I think that there's a real possibility he ends up in a place like Chicago, because now that Chicago whiffed on Wentz and they whiffed on Mitch Trubisky, obviously in the draft a couple years ago, they don't have a quarterback signed for this year other than Nick Foles. 
I think it would make a lot of sense for their Chicago to put together a package featuring a first round pick, maybe a guy like Tariq Cohen, and then taking on Dak with a massive contract and a sign and trade with the Cowboys. I think something like that is the most realistic option we have for Dak moving. And honestly, I would love to see it. You know, Chicago doesn't necessarily have a lot of talent, but on the offensive end of the ball, but they have a great defense. If they re-sign Allen Robinson, he has a true number one wide receiver. They have guys that can stretch the field at the number two spot at wide receiver. I mean, this could be a legit Super Bowl team with Dak Prescott on there. And I know it doesn't sound very sexy. You know, I'm I'm pretty bearish on the Bears in general. Little stock market uh, action there. Um, but I don't know, man. I think that, that that seems like a realistic move that could happen. And at the end of the day, it's it's fun to come out here and like shoot the, you know, what if Deshaun Watson ends up playing quarterback for the Chiefs and they switch in with Patrick Mahomes and do those. But I think this is like a real trade that makes sense for both sides. It could happen very quickly. It could be one of those things that develops and within a day it's done. I don't know. I really like the idea of this. Yeah, I mean, Chicago's definitely a team we haven't talked about very much in the quarterback situation. Uh, they need a guy. Bad. And that's a fan base that you can't let down or be bad for very long either. Um, you keep throwing out the Super Bowl contender thing. I don't know about that necessarily if they get a guy like Dak. Um, I mean, they do have that great defense and they have the pieces. Um, but there's a weird hovering cloud over Chicago these last couple of years, and they need to break that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers maybe slowly on his way out will help. Um, but, I mean, that's a division that you could easily go win. I mean, the Packers, they just got good again. Uh, they were, they had their struggles. I mean, they're always a, I think their NFC championship run, not last year, but the year before um, when they played San Fran, I thought that was kind of a fluke. Um, I thought they were the most electric offense in the league this last year. But I mean, going back to just Chicago, I mean, as Aaron Rodgers is on his way out, you got to bring a, in a guy that's going to help you be that team to beat in the uh, NFC North. Yeah. And you talk about that that thing that just feels off about the bears the last couple of years. I, I think it's the front office and the coaching staff. I think when Nagy and pace are gone after this next year, it'll be a lot more attractive of an option for a guy like Dak Prescott, but you know, a guy like Ryan pace who drafts Mitch Trubisky trades up to draft him in the same draft that Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are taking in. He's a guy who is managing a team for his job this year. And Matt Nagy is a guy who is coaching for his job this year. So what do people like that do? I think those are the guys who are desperate enough to maybe even overpay for a guy like Dak Prescott, make the Cowboys an offer that they can't refuse. And he ends up being a bear, big extension. Those two guys save their jobs because Dak Prescott will take them to the playoffs year after year. I mean, it, it, it's there's so many layers that you can or avenues that you can look at this deal from that just makes sense from the Bears perspective. At the end of the day, if the Cowboys truly want to re-sign him, they're going to re-sign him. Dak wants to be a cowboy, but if he's going to get moved, I think the Bears are the best option. And they're just one of those teams who's a quarterback away. Just like the team that Jimmy Garoppolo plays for, the San Francisco 49ers. And this is a team that desperately needs an influx of talent at the quarterback position. Jimmy Garoppolo's got to go. And I think the one place that makes the most sense for him is the one that everyone's already connecting him to. It's New England. It's got to yep. be. Yep. I mean, you reunite him with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, where you, he was uber successful in Tom Brady's absence in, what was it, 2016, when he was suspended for Deflategate. They went 3-0 and in Jimmy Garoppolo's starts. He ends up getting hurt. 
J- Jacoby Brissett comes in. I believe they win that game too. I mean, this guy at the beginning of his career just looked like he was never going to lose. And obviously the magic has worn off. He was bad in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl when they lost to the Chiefs. And I think he's overstayed his welcome in San Francisco. And I think the only real option that makes sense that would take his contract on is New England. I, that's exactly what I have on my list. Um, I mean, from what I've been reading lately, um, the 49ers owner has said he's not going anywhere. He's going to be our 2021 starter. Um, I don't know if that's just to get the press off his back a little bit or if he actually means that. Um, but yeah, the only other scenario I had was ship him on back to New England. I mean, send him right back where he was grown, where he kind of belongs. I think him and Belichick could obviously do something special. Uh, but then again, dude, there's, there's not that many weapons in New England. Um, I know they had a lot of players opt out, which hurt them um, on the back end this year, especially defensively. But personally, I don't see Jimmy going anywhere. I don't see him going anywhere like the Jets or the, or the Bears. Or I know there's been speculation of that. I, I That move just doesn't make sense on either end of me. Yeah, and, and it could be could be a stretch. But I think maybe San Francisco would be desperate enough to make a trade for Deshaun Watson. Maybe a Jimmy G and Deshaun Watson swap with some picks involved. Obviously, a couple first rounders would go the Texans way there. But imagine Deshaun in San Francisco throwing to those guys and and Shanahan's offense, what he could draw up for Deshaun Watson. I mean, that would be incredible. Never mind Jimmy G going to Houston and probably wasting away the rest of his contract or career there, however long that lasts. But Deshaun in San Francisco, that's a thought that just kind of popped into my head. That would be a blast. Yeah, and I the reason I don't doubt it is because the Texans have made the last couple years. You really can't count anything out with that team. I mean, they shipped DeAndre Hopkins to bring in. I mean, how did that pay off? It, it didn't. And granted, yeah. that was when Bill O'Brien was calling the shots there. He isn't there anymore. They do have an ex-Patriots front office member, Nick Casario, running the show now. So you have to assume that they're not just going to be giving players away for pennies on the dollar at this point. But again, the guy is that's at the top of the top there in, in Houston is still Cal McNair. So at the end of the day, how much really has changed? Are they still going to be a team foolish enough to make a mistake like that? We really don't know. I forgot David Johnson's name because that's how bad the trade was. Like, I mean, he had that one game, the first game against the Chiefs. Um, and he yeah, showed a the little David bit David Johnson is back game. I remember he yeah, wasn't. He wasn't. So I think anything's on the table for the Texans. But then again, I mean, they're kind of coming out with these quotes that could be to just get press off them. I mean, you know, owners, they're trying to keep their assets as much as they can. Um, but you can't count anything out with them. The, the last guy I want to talk about, Weston, is J.J. Uh, Watt, another Houston Texan. We've talked a lot about both him and Deshaun uh, this episode. And J.J.'s a guy where there's a lot of potential landing spots. And he's also the only guy on this list that's a true free agent that can really pick wherever he wants to go. Granted, Dak Prescott is a free agent as well, but they ha- he has the franchise tag looming, looming over his head. The only way he's going anywhere, in my opinion, is a sign and trade. So J.J. Watt is a really interesting one. And I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the best players in the su- in available this offseason, excuse me, about how he his versatility still allows him to be a valuable player. He's a good edge rusher. He's good inside. He's good against the run. There's still a lot that J.J. Watt offers to a football team. 
And I think for that reason, he's going to have a lot of players in on him. And I think it comes down to the top three teams that are going to be interested in him. Now that's the Cleveland Browns, the Green Bay Packers, and the team that I end, I think he's going to actually end up signing with the Buffalo Bills. Interesting. I think he is exactly what the Bills need on defense. They don't have a true three down pass rush option that they can move anywhere on the line. And I think if there is one unit on the Buffalo Bills team that is set to regress next next year outside of Josh Allen, he might not be a top five quarterback ever again in his career in a given year. He could regress down, be a top eight guy. This team is still amazing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Josh Allen's going to fall off the cliff, but suspecting top five production might be a little bit of a stretch. But anyways, where they could see regression realistically is in the pass rush. I mean, this team, they don't have any really big name pass rushers. If you watch them, they didn't necessarily win their pass rushes at a high rate. You can look at ESPN's pass rush win rate stat that will confirm this. I mean, I think he just fits their needs so well and he would take so much pressure off of the other pass rushers on that team. I It's just such a picture perfect fit that I think JJ Watt can slide right in there, maybe take this team over the edge and make them the favorite in the AFC next year over Kansas City. Yeah, so the where I have my take on this um, is I don't see J.J. Watt signing somewhere and we're going to be like, oh, interesting, or oh, wow. There's going to be a reason behind it. I think he's at that point in his career where he's really going to settle down and pick. I mean, obviously he's going to pick where he wants to go, but it's just going to make sense. So the three teams that I had um, was moving right across town to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I mean, he's already settled down in Texas. Um, just kind of thinking of an outside football perspective. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers teaming up with his brother. I mean, TJ is a monster. I love that man. Um, that move just kind of makes sense to me. And then you had mentioned it. You even talked about it earlier. Is the Green Bay Packers. Um, someone that's going to, well, he's not going to have as many double teams on him. He's played ball in Wisconsin in college. Um, I think that move makes the most sense, and the Packers aren't very known for bringing in free agents. Um, I mean, they have so many owners over there. There's a lot of different thoughts going into these kind of uh, deals, but I think he's going to end up in Green Bay. But I do, I do think it's very interesting. I had the Browns on my list earlier, but I narrowed it down to three. Um, he could definitely help the Browns kind of get over that hump, and obviously the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, the the prospectus of him joining up with another elite pass rusher is incredibly attractive. That's why I had to have the Browns on the list over a team like the Steelers, where he would, like you said, reunite with his brothers. I think at this stage in his career, he wants to win rings. And I think he's going to go to the team that A, needs him to fill a hole the most, and B, gives him the chance to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, C, pay him what he's worth. He's going to get paid in any of these spots. I think it's really between the Packers and the Bills. I mean, the the thought of him going next to Zadarius Smith, the number one and two most double-teamed edge rushers in the NFL last season, that's obviously incredibly attractive. Financially, it would be a little bit hard for Green Bay, but they could save, I think it's $9.5 million by cutting Preston Smith and basically having J.J. Watt fill in that uh, that role for them. That's obviously a very attractive option for the Packers. I just think it's such a perfect fit in Buffalo. I think he fits exactly what the team needs. And I think that's something that J.J. Watt, just what we know of him, will find really important. Okay, so to close the show out, we're going to do 
uh, a little bit of uh, pick them. So we're going to pick a team that is primed for regression this upcoming season, a team that's primed to break out, and a team that is one piece away from the playoffs this upcoming season. So Weston, we're going to start with our team that is primed to regress. I'm going to go ahead and let you go first on this one. So this is the only category that I struggle to pick between these two teams because I think one of them is a no-brainer. Um, the other one's just kind of interesting. So my team that I think is primed to regress is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, I think that was the worst 11-0 football team I've ever seen in my life. Um, they're possibly going to lose Juju. Uh, they're still going to have that rocking defense, um, but they got guys retiring. I mean, Pouncey's out. Um, Big Ben might be on his way out. So I think that's obviously a team that you're going to see regress here, especially with the Browns coming up in that division. The Ravens are going to be good again. Um, I don't see that team making the playoffs in, in any way, shape, or form, especially if they don't bring Juju back. And the other team that I thought was kind of a fluke last year, and I really don't like the whole offseason locker room talk I've been hearing, is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they were a really fun team to watch. Um, I think they're a very well-coached team as well. Um, I, I mean, you got the Bills in that division, and I think there's other teams in the AFC that are going to come in through the wild card um, that may be better than Miami. And unless Tua comes through with this miraculous kind of sophomore season and finally hopefully get the keys to the team because he was back and forth between Fitzmagic and um, any time that he showed any sign of regression, I mean, Fitz was in. So maybe giving him a full year, here's the team, here's see what you can do. Um, I'm not the biggest Tua believer, so I could see Miami regressing as well. It's it's funny to hear you talk about the Steelers because that's the team I picked as well. You said, I think this is a no-brainer. That's the worst 11-0 football team I've ever seen. In my notes, word for word, bullet point, <laughs> no-brainer, bullet point, worst 11-0 team ever. That was the most pathetic 11-0 start I can ever remember watching. It was and what made it so much worse was watching Juju dance on logos week after week until they finally lost. That there's the compounding of all of these factors, just the ugly brand of football they were playing. The fact that seven of those 11 wins were a one-score game. The fact that they finished one and four after that 11-0 start. And then Juju was dancing on TikTok every game. It just made me have such disdain for this football team that I generally really respect as one of the Eagles rivals, but more of like a friendly rivalry. But man, I hated watching the Steelers this year. It was ugly football. Yeah, they played great defense, but their offense was so boring and they were so bad and they were dancing all over TikTok. And I'm, I love TikTok. But watching an NFL player dance on logos on TikTok was not my favorite thing. I know I'm ranting about TikTok on a sports podcast, and that might sound ridiculous, but that's how upset this made me. Point blank, Steelers, they're not going to be as good next year. They're not going to win 12 games. They might not win eight. You mentioned the fact that they share a division with the Ravens. They share a division with the Browns. Those are 200% lock it in playoff teams. And don't sleep on the Bengals, man. I know you didn't mention them, and I'm sure it wasn't on yeah. purpose. But when Joe Burrow's playing, man, if they get him some protection, that kid is special. I had a, okay. I had some doubts coming into the NFL for Joe Burrow, and this isn't something we're gonna we're gonna dive into tonight. There's just not enough time. 
but that kid's special. He is going to be a, a great NFL quarterback. And the Bengals, or excuse me, the Steelers, with Big Ben coming back next year after how bad he was this year, I just see no chance that they repeat what they did last year. Going to move on to the teams that are ready to break out. And once again, I'm going to let you have the floor and go ahead and give yours. Yeah. Um, that's ready to break out with the division that I see is pretty uncertain right now is the Arizona Cardinals. I'm a big Kyler Murray fan. Um, I think adding DeAndre Hopkins, um, you got Christian Kirk, very underrated wide receiver in the league, by the way. Um, Buddha Baker is the most electric guy to watch. I he's love the real him. deal. Real deal. I mean, you draft Isaiah Simmons. He's got a little work to do. Um, also, I mean, another another team that I could see even Shaq Barrett going over to is Arizona Cardinals. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to re-sign Patrick Peterson. I'd love to see Patrick Peterson starting at his career there. Um, but I just think, I mean, they're they're a young young team with some old smarts around them. I mean, you still got Larry Fitzgerald suiting up out there, um, teaching these young guys his trick of the trade. Um, I think they're ready to break out. We'll see what goes on with Seattle. They got drama. We'll see how Stafford ends up in L.A. We'll see if Jimmy G can put it together like he did two years ago. Um, I could definitely see the Cardinals winning that division, honestly. If they... They were very close in a few games last year. Other games, it looked like they didn't even show up. Um, but I also like Cliff Kingsbury. I think him and Kyler got something special going on. Yeah, yeah. the Cardinals are an interesting one. They're actually the team that I picked to go from worst to first last year in a, a mailbag piece that I did during uh, the preseason. I, I am generally higher on the Cardinals than most, but they're not the team that I picked to break out. I picked the LA Chargers, man. I think this team has the potential to be very, very special. You obviously have Justin Herbert. It's the year two leap, man. We see it all the time. Guys like Patrick Mahomes. What did he do year two? Won an MVP. Guy like uh, Lamar Jackson. What did he do year two? Won the MVP. What did Carson Wentz do in year two? Was going to win the MVP till, his blue, till he blew his ACL out. What did Kyler Murray do in year two? Last year, he was an MVP candidate for much of the season. If we see Justin Herbert have that similar level of elevation from year one to year two, we're looking at a potential top five quarterback as soon as next year in the NFL. And not to mention the team from the team side, not just talking about Justin Herbert, six of their nine losses this year, they were a seven and nine team came in one score games. Yep. So if they, if they just that. win, if they win three of those six games that were losses in one score games, instead of a seven and nine team, they're a 10 and six team. That's, that's, a, that's potentially a playoff team. You win four of those, you're 11 and five. You're a playoff team, bona fide. There's no 11 and five team not making the playoffs. I mean, this team has the potential to flip a switch. And I mean, we can go back to just a couple years ago in 2018. They went 12 and four. They won a lot of one score games. The next year, they went four and 12. They lost a lot of one score games. This is kind of the identity of the LA Chargers. And now that they've moved on from Phillip Rivers and have a potential franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Maybe he's the catalyst that takes them from these lovable losers that we find that we see find ways to lose the most painful football games, and they finally become the sum of all of their parts and become a great football team like they should be. All right, so to end it, we're going to talk about a team that needs one addition this offseason to become a playoff team next year. And I've let you go first these last two times. I'm going to go ahead and take this one. I got your Denver Broncos, man. There's so baby. much... 
there is so much to like on this team. They have young offensive playmakers. Jerry Judy is one of my favorite young players in the NFL. Cortland Sutton obviously missed last season with an ACL tear, but he's a special wide receiver as well. Their rival anyone for the top two wide receivers on their team in the NFL. Their O-line is improving. Garrett Bowles was a revelation this season. They have still have a solid defense despite losing Chris Harris Jr. last season. They just don't have a quarterback. If they spend a deal for a guy like Derek Carr or heaven forbid, a guy like Deshaun Watson, the sky's the limit for this football team. I mean, who do you think I picked, Kyle? Of course I picked the Denver Broncos. Man. <laughs> we've, been, we've been one piece away since we lost Manny. I mean, we had Osweiler come in. We had Case Keenum come in. and I mean, we weren't the best team, but we were, we were a competing team. We should have been competing with a good quarterback. And now this is the most excited I've been. I mean, since we did lose Peyton and since that 2016 Super Bowl, um, I think it's going to be really interesting. We have to re-sign Justin Simmons, one of the most also underrated players in the league. Um, I'm actually kind of okay with letting Von Miller walk. Um, I know he's already agreed to restructure his contract to bring more people in um, because he would like to make another run. It's tough. We do have the Chiefs. We do have a young team like Chargers. They were banged up on defense, so. If the Chargers can put it together, it'll be interesting. But, I, I mean, I've tried to get behind Drew Locke. And you can ask my roommates, all my friends. I, I've tried to get behind the guy. It's tough. Um, I think he's a great locker room piece. I think he'd be a really fun backup quarterback if we could bring someone else in. I mean, it's sad to say. But people forget, I mean, we didn't have Cortland Sutton this whole year. We had Jerry Judy got his yips out of him, his drop passes. We got K.J. Hamler in the slot. Super speedy. Um, yeah, I didn't even mention KJ Hamler. That's another piece that I really like on that offense. And Noah Fan. I mean, there's so much to like. Then Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay in the backfield. Sorry, go ahead. I, there's just jumping on that. There's so much to like about this offense. They just can't find that quarterback. There's so much. And you even mentioned Garrett Bowles. I mean, we drafted him a few years ago, and he was known as a flop. Everyone had given up on the guy. And he finally came back this year. I mean, he was a Pro Bowl candidate. Um, I, I love everything we did see from Garrett Bowles. I think that is the weak spot. Um, you got Bradley Chubb. Um, everyone forgets about that guy, too. He got hurt in his first year. Um, I think we need a good inside linebacker. Um, we could use another corner. I think that's what we're going to go for in the draft. I don't see us drafting a quarterback. I think they would rather even just give Drew another shot um, or maybe pick up a guy – I've said it before, Fifth Magic maybe, throw him back there just in case things get out of hand with Locke, see what happens. Um, I think they're for sure one piece away, and I think everyone knows it. Um, people had high hopes on Locke last year, and I'd listened to a podcast. I actually did a very similar kind of thing we're doing now, um, and the Denver Broncos was their team to watch. And I think they've been the team to watch now since last season into this season. Um if we get a guy like Deshaun Watson, I'm telling you right now, you'll see us in the big game. So I'm excited. Um, I mean, I I love the Broncos, clearly. Um, I haven't let sports betting or anything fantasy take that away from me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're really exciting to see. Um, and I'm glad that you were on the same page as I am. Yeah, you, your team certainly has a better future outlook than mine does. Uh, that's a, a little unfortunate for me, but great for you, man. I, I really like the outlook of this uh, Denver football team. Weston, it's been an absolute blast to have you on, man. I'm glad I was finally able to get you on the show. Had a ton of fun. Hopefully, we can get you on again sometime. Until then, yeah. it's go Broncos.
Yes, sir. Exactly. Thanks for having me, man. I'm totally down to do this again. Um, we even had kind of mixed up some uh, other topics, so maybe we'll touch on those next time.